Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. Immediately, he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that we can be here this morning and what a privilege it is to be here to worship you through your Son, our faithful mediator, our high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. But help us, Father, to come now and listen. Help us to, to listen with our ears attentively. Help us to hear what your word has to say to our hearts. Father, as much as we don't like to admit, we are people that hurt we're people that struggle, we're weak, we're fickle, we're feeble, we get discouraged very quickly. So please, help us to hear the word so that we can be strengthened and encouraged. That your word can grow us and build us and strengthen our faith. Because there are times when we have little faith and when we doubt as well. Have mercy upon us, Father. Have mercy upon me. And I know we're unworthy of our salvation but we thank you for your rich kindness your rich mercy that you've given to us through your son Jesus thank you now father for this morning thank you again for the scriptures thank you again we can be here if you permit allow us to be here next week father your will be done not ours pray and ask this all in Jesus name amen In one sense, you can look at this passage and we can sometimes over-spiritualize it by looking at the storms of life and forgetting about who controls the storms of life, who is sovereign over the storms of life. And that's answered at the end. Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David. Not just a prophet, a mere man, or a good man. And so, as we look at this verse, 
I want to try to find a balance in that, looking at Jesus, the Son of God, and looking at how we look at Him in our trials and our struggles. Because we too go through sufferings. We too are tested. Well, our faith is tested. Every day, God tests our faith. Satan tempts us. God does not tempt us. He tests our faith. Sometimes our faith is little. Sometimes our faith is great. Sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we walk in unbelief. We're no different to the disciples. We are the same. But as we get to know God and grow with Him, so our faith should grow and be strengthened. And that's why I want to look at this morning, worshipping Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I mean the Son of God. There are people with names out there that are called Jesus in Spain and in, and in South America. But we're looking at Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of Man. Jesus, the Son of David. Are we worshipping Jesus every day of our lives? Or just here on a Sunday? Oh, I must go to church because I need to worship Jesus. Are we worshipping Jesus from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep at night? Now you notice I said Jesus because worship must always have a direct object. I speak to Christians sometimes and ask them, did you go to church? Yes, I went to church to worship. Then I want to ask, worship who? Or how's your Christian life going? No, my worshiping's going well. Worshiping who? Worshipping Jesus or worshipping Satan? Those are the only two people we can worship at the end of the day. The father of lies, the father of truth. You can't have both. And that someone we worship, and something, because that's what worship is all about. Worship is to worship someone or something. And our someone is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. Yes, we worship the triune God. We worship the Trinity. We worship God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Three persons. We worship the glorious God enthroned in heaven. And Jesus is also enthroned in heaven. We know from Colossians that the Christian has been raised with Christ. And if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And we worship Him according to the Scriptures. We render true worship to Jesus in accordance with His Word, what He has given to us in the Scriptures. Everything that we need to know about godliness, about what we need to do in the church, what we need to do in our lives, what we need to be saved, and how to live it out, is all in the Scriptures. Everything in life should be a life and an act of worship. Worshipping Jesus, the Son of God. Because to God alone be all the glory. Scripture says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 But are we doing everything to the glory of God? Including worshipping Jesus. 
Because Satan will do everything to trip us up to follow him. He did it to Jesus in the wilderness. He came to Jesus and tempted Jesus to worship him. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and this is Jesus, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan said to Jesus, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, be gone. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And how often we start a trial, we start some form of suffering with Jesus, and then somehow we take our eyes off Him and fix them on the world and the things of the world, saying, You know what, Jesus, God, you're not good enough anymore. I'm now leaning on this side. I'm going to the world for help. And we know we should be worshipping Jesus alone. But somehow we fall into temptation and we end up falling down at the feet of Satan and we worship him. We start looking to the world for help. It's Jesus plus the love of the world plus its philosophies. Now when I say worshipping Jesus, yes, we pray through him, He's our faithful mediator. We save through Him. We receive all the spiritual blessings through Him. But reading around, someone said the greatest act of worship is to trust Jesus. And are we trusting Jesus in all our sufferings? Meaning, are we worshipping Him in all our sufferings? If we are worshipping Jesus in all our sufferings, all our pain, through all our trials, then we will be trusting Him. And we will be forming one of the greatest acts of worship, which is to trust Jesus. But it's not easy. That's why we come to church on a Sunday, to be built up in Christ, to be strengthened, to be encouraged. Then we go home and we open up our scriptures and we continue allowing God to, to minister to us, to, to encourage us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us so that we can trust Jesus because in Him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why wouldn't you go to Him? Turn with me to 2 Chronicles, please. I invite you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles. Chapter 20. 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. Here we see a lovely man called Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat's prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2, is a great multitude coming against him from Edom and beyond the sea. Verse 3, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. And how much of us hide our fears and being afraid? But Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord, to worship God, to look to God for help. And he set his face to seek the Lord, to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. 
And then he got all of them, the whole of Judah, to assemble to seek the Lord with him. Isn't that what we're doing here? We all come together to seek the Lord, to be built up in Jesus. And then he breaks out in prayer, O Lord God of our fathers. That's verse 6. Are you not God in heaven? And then he prays. And at the end of verse 9, and you will hear and save. And then verse 12, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless. That is how we are when we are suffering and in pain and going through trials. We are powerless. And the temptation is to fall on our own strength, be wise in our own eyes, lean on our own understanding. But we are powerless and we never admit that we are powerless. We actually are powerless going through this virus, to be honest with you. We do not know what to do. We do not know what to do, the rest of the verse says. But our eyes are on you, God. On you, Lord. Because you know what to do. You are sovereign. You are the creator, God. And to you we seek, and our eyes are on you. And that is our problem. When we go through trials, we take our eyes off Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we fall by the way. And we bring so much pain and suffering to our hearts. Instead of just bowing down to Jesus and asking brothers to pray for me so I can keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, like Jehoshaphat did. There's an army. He's powerless. He doesn't know what to do. He's afraid. But he does the right thing. He seeks God. And are we doing that? Are we worshipping Jesus? Are we trusting in Jesus as we go through trials and suffering? And so this morning, as we come to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23, I want to look at two reasons why we should be worshipping Jesus. Why we can trust Jesus. Why we, can, why we can keep our eyes fixed on Him. And hopefully this will help us if we've taken our eyes off Him to turn our eyes back on Him and worship Him alone no matter what is going on in our lives at the moment. And please, I'm not downplaying what's going on at the moment is hard. But we need God's grace and we need each other. And the first reason why we should be worshipping Jesus every day of our lives is because Jesus is the Creator. Jesus, the Son of God, is the Creator. Yes, we know our Heavenly Father as the Creator God, but they both were active in creation. So was the Holy Spirit involved and active in creation. But Jesus is the Creator. He's the Son of God. I invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Just look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Just look at verse 13 of Colossians chapter 1 first. Verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, Jesus, the Son of God, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
He is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus, the firstborn above all creation. And then verse 16, For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus is God and he created the material universe. He created all things. John in his gospel, John chapter 1 verse 3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. The above verses are telling us that Jesus, the Son of God, was an active agent carrying out the plans and directions of the Father. He was creating the universe. Jesus, the Son of God, was creating. He's our creator. Why is it important to know this? Why have I spent some time making known that Jesus is the creator? Because it helps us to trust him. Because he is in control of everything. Including the waves and, and the wind that the disciples are going to come against in the boat. Sometimes we forget that. We just see Jesus as, as baby Jesus or, or Jesus as some great prophet. But we forget that Jesus is the son of God. The creator. And someone we can trust. Willem read those beautiful verses. Someone who can sympathize with us. Someone who we can draw near to with confidence and ask for grace and mercy in time of need. To receive it. But it's nice to know that he's creator because he is the one that controls the waves and the wind. No wonder they obey him. That is encouraging, that is comforting to know that when we turn to Jesus and cry out in fear, He's there as the Creator God. He's there to help us. In the book of Hebrews we are told that He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And, and, and the whole idea of Matthew chapter 14 is is or that, that walking on water, verses 22 to 33, is for them to see beyond Jesus as just a man. Because that's what happened in chapter 8. In chapter 8, verse 23, after the first walking on water, or sorry, when Jesus calmed the storm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, in this Calming of the sea, walking on the water, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now they see who Jesus is, not just some prophet, a great prophet. So, no matter what we're going through, we should be looking to Jesus, the Creator. We should be worshipping Jesus, trusting in him. Because he's not some mere man, prophet, or good man. He is the creator God. And as we look at, at, at um, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, we see there that he immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Watch the urgency. Watch the rush. And he wants to get them onto the other side. Remember, there's no storm yet. There's nothing. There's no ways those disciples would have got into a boat if the storm was already happening. The Jews were actually afraid of the sea. 
They did not like the sea. Even though some of them were fishermen, they were still afraid of the sea. But why immediately does he, why does he make his disciples get into the boat? What's the rush? Well, we have to go across to John chapter 6. And there we are told that after Jesus had also fed the 5,000, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, who's all known, knew that they wanted to, at that time, make him king. An earthly king. He's the great prophet that has come. He is the redeemer that has come. An earthly redeemer. To redeem us from the, the, the Romans, from oppression. And, and he perceived that they, were, they wanted to take him by force and make him king. But he, he sent his disciples off. He dismissed the crowds in a hurry as well. And then he himself went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. If Jesus prays, how are we doing? Are we praying? Are we spending time in prayer daily? What took place here with Jesus and his Father doesn't matter. What matters is we see Jesus pray. The Son of God. God's Son. Praying to his Father. He's had a hard couple of days. His great friend, John the Baptist, was beheaded. He had to feed 5,000. And then the next task is to calm his disciples on the sea and then go across to Gennesaret and heal the sick. Jesus, like us, needs comfort at times. Especially when things are, are rushed and things are going against the grain and we're struggling and we're weary and we're fatigued. The day's been hard, the day's been tough. We should get at the end of the day, fall down on our knees and pray for comfort because we worship the God of all comfort. You can comfort us, you can encourage us. But often we get home and we're tired, we either put on the kettle, make a cup of coffee, or crack open a beer, have a glass of wine, and that's our comfort. Physical, but we need spiritual comfort. Often when we are tired, we don't really turn to the Lord in prayer. But not Jesus. We see him going to his Father for peace and comfort. He spends quietness with his Father before his next task, and that is to walk on the sea, and that is to rescue his disciples. Psalm 18, verse 1 to 3 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. That's what we should do in prayer. We should fall down 
at the throne of grace and cry out to our Heavenly Father who is our strength, our rock, our fortress, our deliverer. But how often we forfeit such a friend we have in Jesus and we forfeit prayer. We forfeit worshipping Jesus, trusting in Him, calling upon Him in prayer in the midst of our trials. We miss out on the most comforting part of our relationship with God, finding that peace and that comfort. Because God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be worshipped. He is the Creator God. He becomes our strength or our stronghold, our shield. What more do we need? We serve the Creator God. We serve Jesus. We worship Jesus, the Son of God. And when the evening comes, not to complicate things, but it tells us there that he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone. Verse 24 of Matthew chapter 14. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the winds, for the wind was against them. Somehow the boat had drifted off course. At least five to six kilometers, of course, going south. The wind is pushing them. They are fatigued. They are rowing. They are fighting the storm. And Jesus goes to them in the fourth watch. That's between three and six in the morning. The first watch normally starts at six to nine in the morning. Then it goes from nine to twelve in the morning. Then it switches over. Twelve to three and three to six, and so it goes. But yeah, he comes in the fourth watch, the fourth watch of the morning. And he's walking on the sea. The storm. Ask ourselves the question. The storm that is happening, these waves and wind that are beating the boat. Is this a coincidence? Did Jesus know there was a storm coming? We have to say yes, certainly. This is not a coincidence. You can say it's a God incidence. Everything is happening for a purpose and a reason. And we see that to test their faith. Jesus is the one that deliberately directs them into the storm. And we can talk like this because Jesus is the Creator. Jesus is the one that, that brought His disciples to the storm. Jesus is the one that brings trials and testings and, 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 and sufferings and pain into our lives. Jesus has promised in this world you shall have tribulation. James also said various trials will come our way. And when we find ourselves in a storm or a trial, like the disciples in their boat getting beaten up by the wind and the waves, and no matter what we are going through, we must remember that Jesus brought us to this trial that we find ourselves in. And at the same time, He will care for us. We see Jesus walking, not running, frantically running to His disciples trying to save them. He doesn't have to do that because He's the Son of God. He's in control. He's walking through the storm. And He does that in our own lives as well. He comes to us and He meets us in the storm. 
He doesn't say, when the storm is over, then I'll come and then I'll pamper you. He meets us when everything is a mess. Because He's the Creator God. He's always cleaning up. But if He's the Creator God, then Jesus is also Lord of creation. And when we think all human hope is gone, there is no way out. Jesus will come to our aid and help. This is what he shows us. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus not forsaking his disciples. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The problem is, have we got the patience and the self-control to wait on Jesus to come to us in his time and his way? Either he, he delivers us from the trial or like James says, when you find yourself in a trial and you lack wisdom, cry out in wisdom. Parents, if you're struggling with your parenting, cry out for wisdom. In your marriage, cry out for wisdom. In your workplace, cry out for wisdom. Ask God to give you the wisdom. And He gives it to us abundantly without finding fault. You can ask over and over and He gives you the wisdom. How? Well, you've also got to open up the Scriptures and read them. And seek his wisdom. Because in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But do we have the patience to wait on Jesus? But like I said, in verses 25 to 26, and in the fourth watch at, of the night, that's between 3 and 6 in the early hours of the morning, he came to them walking on the sea. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. They were hopeless. They could not help themselves. Fear blinded their eyes of the presence of Jesus. They did not recognize Jesus. They probably would have struggled with the wind blowing the sea and the waves breaking. And Jesus being a little bit of a distance away from them. But they did the right thing. They cried out in fear and said, It's a ghost. And in verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them. But we won't look at that now. We'll just see verse 26. We see. Or verse 25, we see Jesus coming to them walking on the sea. That's why we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness because of what he's gone through. He's been tempted in every respect, yet without sin, and he's able to come to our aid. He's our helper, and he's given us the Holy Spirit as a helper. Someone was saying Jesus must have walked about five kilometers to get to them on the sea. And when he gets to them, he's there to help them. He understands or understood their weaknesses. God understands our weaknesses as well. God knows our hearts. He knows if you're hurting or if you're disturbed 
or if you need comforting, or if you need some encouragement. But are you willing to go to Him? Are you willing to go to Jesus, the Creator God, and trust Him as you cry out to Him in prayer? Jesus loves us and cares for us more than we'll ever understand or know. He will sympathize with our weaknesses. He will. But are we willing to entrust ourselves to Him? The Scripture gives us all the reason to be worshipping Jesus every day of our lives. No matter what we're going through at this present moment. No matter what trial. Because Jesus is the Creator God. He is Creator. He is the Son of God. He made the universe. And Lord willing, we'll look at Jesus next Sunday, if we hear, as the rescuer. Amazing, the Son of God comes to rescue us. He's our rescuer. He not only saves us from the wrath to come, but He also saves us from our trials. But now that we know this first reason, that Jesus is the Creator, as we've seen it now in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 26. Why we should be worshipping Jesus every day of our lives. Will we do this? Will we look to Jesus, the Creator? Will we turn our eyes on Him alone and worship Him alone as we go through trials? Because every trial that comes our way is to test our faith. And we'll look at that, Lord willing, more next time. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2 as I close. Hebrews chapter 2. Here's why we should be worshipping Jesus. Here's why we should be trusting Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, starting at verse 17. Therefore he, that is Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And verse 18, because he himself has suffered when tempted, but because he himself has suffered when tempted, he, that is Jesus, is able to help those who are being tempted. He is able to help us. He will help us. But are we willing to trust Him? Are we willing to go to Him? Are we willing to keep on worshipping Him through the trials? He is able to help those who are being tempted. Will we trust Him? And will we keep on worshipping Jesus no matter what's going on in our lives right now? And trust Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You again for this, this beautiful passage where we can see Jesus as the Creator in control of everything. Not only walking on the sea, but also we see eventually He controls the waves and the sea. He calms everything. And He can do the same for our own lives. He can bring a peace and a calmness to our hearts 
when it races away in fear and anxiety. We too must learn to cry out, no matter what's going on in our hearts, if it's fear, anxiety, stress, depression, we're discouraged, just bring it all to Jesus and, and come to his feet as our teacher and he will help us. He is the Son of God. He's a merciful Son of God, one who can sympathize with our weaknesses and help us. Father, please forgive us when we don't come to Jesus, when we run away from him and run to the world instead. Forgive us, Father. This world has nothing to offer us when it comes to strengthening our inner man, our spiritual eye, our heart. Thank you again for Jesus. Thank you again for him being our helper. Help us, Father, to always look to him, call out to him, fix our eyes on him as the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, be merciful to us. Help us. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.